my name is Abby, and I'm a volunteer here at Recovery Radio. If you want to feel good about yourself today, I have a suggestion that will help you. Just go to www.recoveryradio.net and click the Donate button. Then, give an amount that makes you feel good. You'll be amazed by your own awesomeness all day. Well, good morning, everybody. We're coming down the home stretch. And uh, I think it's ironic that um, the lecture is called Wrong Again. So the CD had it wrong. I wouldn't change it, John. I would print all of them in longhand, wrong again. This thing was wrong from the start. And so, anyway, um, I was just thinking about something that, uh, and I'm sure everybody, Chris and Guy, and we don't have evaluation forms because we just look at your faces. And um, that's all we need. I can't tell you the love that we feel from you guys and then watching you come to know and love each other. You don't need an evaluation report. You just, it's done. It's kind of like, I remember giving a talk on this, that a conductor can watch the faces of the audience during the performance and sees what the music and the orchestra is doing, and they don't need applause at the end. They can see it. And so I just wanted to report that um, we got very high grades this time. If there was such a thing as a uh, truth process, we're all seeking the truth. And we wanted to do it as quickly as possible. You know what I mean? Let's get it over with. I would like to find the truth. So I tried to um, come up with a process that you might go through to um, find the truth. And I selected sort of a stadium that would hold maybe 20,000 people. And you're down in the middle of it, facing them all the people. And uh, the truth squad leads you in naked, and you sit on a chair just like the one you're sitting on. And they turn a spotlight on, and they said, okay, are you ready? We're going to start. And they said, um, tell us about your childhood. He says, well, I grew up in uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota, and um, my parents really didn't get along. <coughs> we have uh, your parents here. Would you say how, oh, we loved each other? I've never loved a man more in my life. I've never loved a woman more in my life. Ralph, you're wrong. Do you see that you're wrong? Do you see that you're wrong? Well, it looked like they did. Do you see that you're wrong? Okay, I'm wrong. 20,000 people. Wrong again, wrong again, wrong again, asshole. Wrong again. Okay. Okay, Ralph, let's, 
Let's move on to item two. <laughs> and the crowd, they're getting tired. It's six, seven hours later. Wrong again, wrong again, wrong again. That's all wrong again. <laughs> okay, Ralph. Item 926. <laughs> Tell us about your high school football team. Oh, man, that was a great, but we were a real team. We all loved each other. <laughs> we have the whole team here. Team, what do you think of Ralph? He was an asshole. Ralph, do you see? <laughs> do you see this? Ralph, do you see? Can you understand? Are you wrong or not? Are you, well, I thought they were, are you wrong or right? Okay, I'm wrong. Wrong again, wrong again, wrong again. Okay, Ralph. Item number 9,163. Do you want to continue? Okay. They had to change the crowd. They got tired of watching. And uh, so they brought in another crowd. And they brought in another crowd. And this process goes on. They're up somewhere around 25,000. 25,000 wrong agains in front of 10,000 people shouting, wrong, wrong. And uh, it goes on. It's The normal process is only three and a half days. And somewhere around the end of the second day, Ralph looks up and he starts seeing the light that he never saw before. And uh, he just, it's just a little bit of it, but he just can't take his eyes off it. And he just says, Michael, what is that? And he said, that's the truth. Do you want to continue? He said, I can hardly wait. I can hardly wait. There's a line in the 12 and 12 that says something, a great moment happens when we see humility as something we want rather than something we must have. And hopefully, we saw glimpses today of that light or this weekend so that the process of seeking the truth will become exciting instead of painful. And that's what step seven talks about, that if you set the goal of perfection that's in step six, nobody's going to get there, but we're, we could see a lot of the light. We could see enough to know that it really is the truth that we're going to have to experience that four-letter word, pain. And um, so does it mean it's going to be painful forever? No. Our perspective on pain is going to change. And we're going to see it as something valuable instead of something humiliating. And I'm sure near the end of this fictitious experiment, the crowd is as excited for him as he is. And they're rejoicing in yelling wrong, wrong again <laughs> because they're watching the whole place light up. And that's the transforming moment in seeking when it goes from a pain in the butt, so to speak. How long wrong? Are you ever going to... Like when we were little, are we there yet? 
You remember from the back seat of the station wagon? Are we there yet? There's ten more hours. Okay, okay, okay. Three minutes later, are we there yet? And I think we do that on our spiritual journey. Are we there yet? <laughs> Nothing's happening. And in our little experiment in the stadium, nothing happened for two and a half days until we got to nine, item 9,163. And then the light started shining. So a lot of people don't keep it up. I read a spiritual book where it said, a true advertisement about enlightenment and truth-seeking would make the toughest marine blanch if it was revealed what we have to go through. And that's the difference between pride and humility. Humility, you carefully explain what's involved, and the person still raises their hand. Yes, okay, okay, count me in. I used the example years ago of uh, how many people would like to go through a marine boot camp at Paris Island. Everybody heard how tough you come out and all that, and there might be a lot of people who raise their hands. But they're not humbly raising their hands. They're just raising their hands. In order to humbly raise your hand, you'd have to be taken down, and you get to observe boot camp from beginning to end. You get to be right up close watching the faces of these guys and watching some of them break and quit and this and that. And then at the end... I don't know how long it is now. It used to be 10 weeks. Maybe it's 12. Anybody know? Anyway, at the end of the time, then they ask, would you like to go through this? Now, if you raise your hand then, you, that's humility. You know precisely what's involved, and you still raise your hand. And so this really captures the problem of truth-seeking. Truth sits there. It's bright as can be, but you're blocking it. Every wrong idea is blocking us from truth. So we have to come to grips with the fact there's probably hardly anything that doesn't need close examination. Um, that's a hard thing to do because... The desperation leaves after we get sober and been around a while. So now, this coming here was voluntary. It's all voluntary now. That's the problem with half measures. They appear to have accomplished something. You're halfway spiritual. You can't stay at halfway spiritual. It'll get so dull after a while, you won't be able to stand it. It'll be boring. You're used to it. You won't even be spiritual anymore. And you'll reclassify it. Within five years, you will reclassify it as something you accomplished on your own. Yeah, through diligence and hard work and sponsoring a lot of people and taking meetings to institutions, I now am much more spiritual than I used to be. Pat, 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 pat. Here's, here's other things I do. Pat, 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 pat. When's the last time you ripped 12 ideas out of yourself and it felt like your flesh was getting ripped off? 
I'm busy with other forms of spiritual work. Yeah, we like all the other forms of spiritual work except let's rip this off. We don't like that that one. So we create an atmosphere of busyness. And we still stay the same. It just stays there. So this is um, why the 12 and 12 is so powerful in these two steps, 6 and 7. And then both books on 10. So look at all the emphasis in our program on being wrong. It's awesome. I mean, it starts right in the beginning. They, they warn us. There's a warning label way in the beginning of the big book when it says old ideas availed us <clears throat> nothing, right? So all the ideas that we have will avail us nothing. So maybe we have 250,000 ideas. Who knows how many ideas we have? about things. So the test could go on. In other words, it's limitless. And the most dangerous areas are the areas where you don't think you need any help. And we're back to your specialty. That's the one area we don't need to inventory. I'm picking on Mike on this one. Mike's sitting out there and it's day two and a half and they go... What are you good at, Mike? Skin and caribou. I've been doing it all my life. I would say I know how to skin a caribou as well as anybody. But I, I would say I have the best method of skinning a caribou. Well, how do you do it? They bring a caribou out. Do this. Holy cow. Eight minutes and 31 seconds. Done. All cut up. Ready to go in the freezer. And he sits down. They bring another guy out. Somebody might never heard of. And he does it in three minutes. And then finally you go, well, Mike, um, is yours the best way or is yours the wrong way? See, you don't want your specialty to be also wrong. <laughs> right? That's one area that doesn't need inventory. <laughs> and it's the one area that blocks the most. That's the trick up the ego's sleeve. Keep working on lust. Keep working on lust. Try to stop looking at those girls. But over here, we're doing great. We're never going to look over here. So where can we pile up enough pride and hide it like a storage bin? It'll be over in the area of doesn't need looking at. Hey, have you inventoried the um, skinning locker? Is there any pride hiding in there? Oh, no. We don't need help in that area. Don't need help in there at all. Well, let's open it anyway. But we don't need to. Whoa. There's no meat in there. There's no meat in there. It's all pride. 41 pounds of pride hiding behind our specialty. Anybody get squirming a little bit? <laughs> I'm not going to work on that. I don't need to work on that. It's this lust thing. 
See, the guys can always go, this is lust. I just can't stop looking at women. Just can't stop. So I'm going to focus all my, God, help me with this. Help me with this. Stay the hell out of the skinning locker. Don't need help over there. So we come here and we start a process that destroys pride. And I am so, I get tears in my eyes sometimes at routine lunches with men in AA. Just regular lunches. And this is the same crowd of guys who used to eat lunch together when they were drinking. And the lunch conversations would always, they hadn't seen each other for a week and they get, hey, Ralph, how'd your week go? Oh, man. You know that secretary I've been after? Bam! <laughs> you know that deal I was working on? Well, that was, yeah, 25 grand. 25 grand shot a 78 over at Bellevue. You know how tough Bellevue is. Man, Jesus. Joe, how about you? And here he goes. Oh, hell, I had a 74. Same day, it was raining. (laughs) My doctor told me not to play. I was feeling like shit. Had a 74. Don't ask me where your wife was last Thursday. You remember that? You remember that my ego is bigger than your ego? Remember those games? You had to come out on top. You had to come out on top. Same guys. Now they got five years. And they're sitting there. Joe, how'd you do this week? Oh, God. I lost it twice in the office. I had to go make amends. I had to make one amend to my co-worker and one amend to my boss. I, why the hell can't I do something about this anger? It's just, I tell you, it is really difficult to do anything about it. Unfortunately, even though we're on the path to progress, the second guy says, that's nothing. I lost it three times this week. We still have to outdo each other, even if it's in screwing up. And we freely share our imperfections. And it's the most therapeutic thing in the world. Just to report on ourselves how imperfect we are. Kurtz wrote that book, The Spirituality of Imperfection. So we want to focus on where these imperfections are and freely talk about them. Get them out in the open. And delight in being wrong. It's as if all our ideas, suppose instead of our having a human body, we had the body of a toothpaste tube. You know how jam full they are, and they're sitting on the counter. I think if I was going to be a toothpaste tube, I'd like to be Crest. It's got a cool name, Colgate. I mean, come on. Crest. uh, Crest? You see Crest? You guys see Crest? (laughs) Palm olive? What the hell is that, Crest? (laughs) And they've obviously 
put a little more. Look at this tube. Oh, that's sort of a skinny tube that you got over there. Well, truth-seeking is like taking the toothpaste out of the tube. Doesn't look so good, does it? It's, it just starts getting empty. Now you're squeezing that because there might be some left in there. And you squeeze. Do you ever go and try to get every ounce of toothpaste out of there? <laughs> I throw them away now before I get all the way. But uh, y- y- this is the process. That is what we're going to go through. That's what we're trying to. So what's in the tube? You are. That's what we have to get rid of is you. And this is the process. And we squeeze it and we squeeze it. And that's why we shout out, if you keep this up, I'm going to look like the hole in the donut. There won't be anything of me left. Look. Tube is empty. That's success. Doesn't look like success, does it? Look at that. Totally empty. Now, it can be filled with God. That's, the vessel has to be empty. And just to make a joke out of it, we obviously would call that YouTube. Okay, that's terrible. (laughs) So what, what are we trying to present? Um, this whole package. We want to clearly lay out what Marine Corps boot camp looks like. No excuses, no cutting corners, no, there's no shortcut, no, no. That's the path to truth. That's the path to get, see, truth is the absence of self. And then that light, and then you will know that you're gone, and the real you is that's where you are. You want to learn about yourself, you have to get rid of yourself. We have to get rid of every freaking idea that we are clinging to that doesn't need to be looked at. This is new for me to understand. The real danger lies in the areas that you think don't need looking at. (laughs) Whatever it is, whatever your specialty is, that's the one where pride will stockpile ammunition for wars to go on for years. You don't need to look here. Look over there. What was the old thing? Don't tax... Me, don't tax him, tax the fellow behind the tree. That was some old political saying about 70 years ago. Don't point the spotlight at this part of me. And so once we realize this, this is the fun part of it. Once we realize this, we've really turned the corner and went in the game. It's like suddenly moving up at about eight levels in chess. And you go, oh, I see the game now. I see how I'm tricking myself. I see all of the moves. 
that are being used to block me from getting there. And I'm willing to put effort in. So the 12 and 12 makes it very clear that pain doesn't go away. Our attitude towards it, our perspective on pain, and, uh, and it becomes effort. It becomes something that we seek because we know the results that we're going to get because we started getting them. In the beginning of the truth process, there was no light. You couldn't see anything. So it looked like a fruitless search, a painless humiliation in front of all these people. Wrong again, wrong again. Are we through? No, we're only up to 6,120. And so it it's just like... It's easy to quit because there's no results yet. But once you see a little bit of that glimmer, which everybody in this room has done, now the motive for doing it is to get there. Not because you have to, because you want to. I know I have to be humble. I'm going to have to deal with getting rid of pride. I'm going to have to. Now you look out and you go, I can hardly wait to get rid of pride. I can hardly wait to move on. Oh, I've got to go through it. Yeah, count me in. Count me in. Let's examine that. Okay, let me talk about that some more. And you're just racing because every time you do it, it gets brighter. Every time you do it, it gets brighter. So it is not by accident that we have all these hints about being wrong. And just look at the tenth step. When we're wrong, promptly admit it. And Chuck used to talk about that, uncover, discover, discard. He was so tickled when he found something else he was wrong about. You know that giggly head? <laughs> okay, we throw it away. He actually got a kick out of being wrong. And when you think about it, it's like getting another thorn out of your side. Another thorn. You don't go, well, that's my thorn. Put it back in. (laughs) No, I am the best antelope skinner. So when it, and so if we can transition it from the painful process of humiliation and feeling bad about it and feeling embarrassed, all of those embarrassment feelings are getting you closer. Every time you get embarrassed, every time you will find as you move along that the clumsy acts that you do, you knock over a cup of coffee or you trip and fall in the middle of the meeting or whatever, you won't feel as embarrassed as you used to. I don't know, has any of you started to pick up on that, that you just... You go, oh, yeah, the coffee fell on the floor. I'll go get a paper towel. And, I'll go there. and you, there's no sense that people are going, oh, what a jerk. Where did that go? When you start feeling that, when you start feeling less embarrassed for stuff that used to humiliate you. I mean, when I came in my first meeting, if, if I dropped a handkerchief or something, I said, oh, I can't go back to that group for a week. I mean, my God, what do they think of me? A guy dropped my handkerchief in the middle. You remember that trembling concern because your entire identity came from them and what you thought they saw. So if you are experiencing this, 
less embarrassment over clumsiness or a misspeak. You said the wrong word or whatever, and, and everybody caught you on it, and they all went, ha, 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 ha. And you find yourself going, I did it, yeah. And there's none of the redness, none of that flushing feeling when, that's huge. That's amazing. So if you're even sensing that, you're clearly moving in the right direction. You're moving free from your identity. You don't want identity. You want to be identified with God. So this is a destructive process. The analogy has been used for years about the sculptor in the marble, and they just take this block of marble and chip away all the crap that isn't that beautiful statue. So that is inside of each of us. It's just the chipping seems a little painful at times. Bam, bam, ooh, more of my ego. Another idea. I couldn't possibly, the one thing I know I'm not wrong about. And I, as a matter of fact, I, was, I forgot, I was going to start the lecture with two guys in a bar in Wisconsin, and they're arguing over what the capital of Connecticut is. You guys ever get involved in that late night in a bar? And, one guy said it's New Haven, the other guy said it's Hartford. God damn, I grew up there. Don't tell me it's not New Haven for crying out loud. That's a freaking place was founded in six. What the hell? Do you cry? God damn. And then the other one, well, Hartford for crying out loud. That's the insurance. You ever hear them? Pretty soon people just get the hell away from those guys. And they might ask the customers in the bar. Then they're going to take sides because they know they'll get hurt. It's up at that level. And finally, one of them gets so mad he goes home and gets an atlas. And he comes back and he puts it on the bar. You see that? You do it. What does it say? Hartford, capital. What does it say? What does it say? Even then you couldn't go, well, I guess I'm wrong. You'd go, well, it used to be New Haven. <laughs> right? You weren't going to be wrong in front of the whole bar. It just, mm, that's what we start with. And we want to just eagerly find something else. And so that's an interesting area, is to stop praying about the areas that you know you need help in and go over the areas you don't need any help in and see what we find. It's quite amazing. you got to remember... Number one enemy is pride. And pride plays this game. See, there's seven deadly sins. Pride's specialty is to say, it's not me, it's envy. Oh. Envy. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> Pride's over here doing push-ups while you're over there working on envy. It's pride. If there's a detective novel and we want to know which of the seven deadly sins committed the crime, it's pride. I'm going to guarantee you, you don't have to get Sherlock Holmes. Just to go, pride. It is deadly, and it's especially deadly to us guys. It is just going to kill us. I just think of... Um, Oh, well, I can't remember that old 
200-year-old thing about heaven and hell, and the punchline is um, it wasn't Dante's Inferno. Anyway, the, the struggle goes on between the ego and God. And it boils down, they finally get, they, they, they plow through everything in about a hundred pages and it finally gets down to, okay, here's your choice. You can reign in hell or serve in heaven. Reign in hell. You can have, I can have anything I want there. Yep. I could have five mansions? Yes. A hundred women? Yes. Two billion? Yes. And what do I do in heaven? Just serve God. Hmm. People aren't in hell because they were sent there. They choose to go there. So they can be in charge. They can't lower themselves to experience absolute happiness but not be in charge. So the process of being wrong is the process of stripping away your right to your life. That's asking a lot, isn't it? I'm going to strip away my right to my life and give it to God. And in return... He's going to make me so happy, I I won't believe it. I will never want to be anything again except a servant. But you have to sign on the dotted line. And they keep running ads all day long in front of your eyes of bikinis and mansions and yachts and telling you, here it is, happiness, happiness, happiness. And then over here in some little book, it said, no, just serve God. That's it. No big ad. No fanfare. No promotion. Serve God. And we're going to try to overcome all of that and go over here. You could have done a lot of different things and come here. A lot of different things. Maybe there's some big football game up your way. A lot of things. So you got to ask yourself, what made you come here? And if it was not to be seen, but to change, then you want to go ask yourself, what part of me wants to be changed? What is that? And go explore that. Go deep down inside and see what is that that wants to be changed? What inside of me wants to start taking control that has never been consulted before? And that's the quiet area. That's the spirit. That's the compass that's leading you home. And that's the signal to listen to. Instead of the blare of the commercials and the ego's ideas of what would be great and wonderful and all of that. So we're really talking about a destructive, crashing down, demolishing of a house in order to build a mansion. 
We don't want to go to the Garden of Eden because we don't want to leave the Garden of Self. We want to improve the Garden of Self. I'm going to take all the weeds out of the Garden of Self. I'm going to put in fertilizer in the Garden of Self. I'm going to make the Garden of Self almost as good as the Garden of Eden. But I ain't leaving the Garden of Self. (laughs) You, You see how it is? I'll patch me up. I'll do something. But I'm not going to completely be cast aside so that a new one can come. And that's what St. Francis said, the last line. is by dying that we awaken to life eternal. And so once you get this far, the hardest part is over because you've seen a little bit of the light. But now the pride is more worried than it was before. Uh-oh, this guy's starting to get the joke. The whole roof I'm playing on him is starting to be exposed by that light. I'm going to have to work extra hard. And you watch some of the attacks you're going to get. Hey, you haven't sponsored a lot of people in quite a while. You ought to be sponsored. This is your pride talking. You ought to be sponsoring people instead of going to those things. Anything to keep you away from the light and you're over. Oh, I'm helping this guy, I'm helping this guy, I'm helping this guy. Have you ever looked into the skinning area? Have you ever looked into the whatever your specialty is? No, I'm, look at all the help I'm doing. Look at all the help. The, the ego is masterful. So we're going to treat it as a game. That way we can treat it lightly. But the stakes are everything. How about that? Everything. That's the, that's what you're playing for. Why not try and get it? Why settle for enough to get by? As the 12 and 12 says, we tend to settle for as much perfection as will get us by. So the difference between when you first came in and now, you're not going to settle for what will get you by. You're not going to settle for people saying, he's a great guy. He has really made a lot of progress. And then you go, man, I finally got here. You're not going to settle for that at all. You're going to say thank you and you're going to keep moving. So I hope we all can jump on that bandwagon. I didn't follow one line in this. <laughs> I thought about this stadium while I was shaving, and I said, that's a better story. I'll have to look in here someday and see what you might have heard. <laughs> but I like this one better. Okay, we're going to take a 10-minute break and uh, stretch our legs and do all that, and then we'll have a final uh, wrap-up from 11 to 11.40. Okay? Thank you, guys. Thank you.